Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. I'm April. And I'm Caroline. And this is your bloody happy hour. Caroline, are you ready for this? This is your newest guilty pleasure. It's the bloodiest part of your week. Did we say something about it also being happy hour? Show did. Because we about to be sipping on some murder. Bloody happy hour. So... Hey y'all, this is April. And this is Caroline. And this is your bloody happy hour. Is this one zero zero? This is one zero zero. And we're not celebrating. We are. We should have had a celebration drink or something. Cheers! Oh, look at that. I have a little bit of Tito's in my cup. I'm drinking a ranch water. Is, is it the one left over from last week? I think so. <laughs> I think I have the same can. Same can and everything. Saving money, trying to recycle. I hate yeah, that right. you've had such a stressful two weeks leading up to our 100th episode. It should have been a party. I've been not, I've not been alive. I've been mourning. And I've been not motivated to do pretty much anything. She's been on Do Not Disturb, but I'm giving her two weeks off. From researching, basically. You know, I usually feel um, uh, that's like my outlet. Like if I'm like, oh, I'm stressed out. Let me go look at murder or watch some murder. Like mm-hmm. do my research. No. No. No, I don't want to do anything. Yeah. Yep. Maybe just brain break. I think it might be a brain break. Take a brain break. Take a brain break. And then I'm going to expect you to give me one here after I, I this shit. I give you one in um, two weeks. Yes, but also I'm doing a good dog sitting gig in a couple of weeks. So you're going to be researching? So I'm going to have a whole week at a house with a pool. Okay? Okay. 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 For the 100th episode, y'all. Oh! I know we told you. I know we told you. It's not a surprise. We're keeping it in Waco. We've been talking about it since January. I was supposed to have been researching since January. But you know me. I started researching three days ago. Yeah. So, here it is. We're going to talk about the Waco massacre. Oh. And it's literally a massacre. Oh. And Caroline, we've lived in Waco just just about our whole life. Yes. Okay? Yep. And yep. I've never done a deep dive into David Koresh. I haven't either. I The first time I watched a documentary was just the other day when it came out for the 30th. Anniversary. Yeah. And you still haven't watched that, right? No, I have not. So I love it because you're hearing things for the first time. I am. And for those of you out there that have heard stuff... Listen, there's so many, there's so much information out there. 
I can't cover it all. I'm not going to cover it all. It's pissing me off researching it because there is so much. There is so much. And there's so many sides. And there's so much. And, yeah. and then it gets political. And so much sides. And then it gets political. And then it goes into conspiracies. It's so I'm doing everything. the best I can. Have fun. We're just going to go. We're going to do it. So my sources. We're going to break them down into like. A shorter... Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we're not going to compile you with the whole two-hour story. No, no, we no, want, no. We don't want you to fall asleep. It's too big. And you have sh- a attention span like me, which is not very Yes. Long. So you're going to get shorter parts. So today you're going to get four parts. You do not have to listen to all four because we're going to break up the parts. You got to click on the part two to get part two. Mm-hmm. All right? You're going to click on part three to get part three. So you listen to them all at the same time or you can break them up if you want to but then guess we next guess what next week you're gonna get the ending and then some of the conclusions and like the final chapters and everything and so the conspiracies and the conspiracies which is all caroline cares about so one of my um sources was a report from the department of treasury it's the report of Vernon Wayne Howe, mm. which is who we know as David Koresh. That was his real name. And then a book called Ranch Apocalypse um, by Dan Morris. And so I'm going to start off with a quote from the author, Dan Morris. February 28th, 1993 was about to become another date in American history that would live in infamy. This violent confrontation would also result in the longest shootout in law enforcement history, the longest siege in law enforcement history, and the worst tragedy in law enforcement history. All those three things happened in Waco, Texas. Or, you know, about five miles out, six miles out in Elk, Texas. Which nobody knows that. No. Yeah. No. So it's associated with Waco, but it's actually an Elk. You got to get your name on the list somehow. Yeah. I mean, might as well. Mm. So 30 years ago. um, But before we go to, like, what happened on that day, we have to talk about how did they get here? Like, what bought the Branch Davidians and David Koresh, and how in the hell did they get to Waco, and how did it get to that and point? who are these people? Who are these people? So let's meet Vernon Wayne Howe, um, who is who we know as David Koresh. He was born in August of 1959 in Houston, Texas, so he is a Texan, mm. to an unwed 14-year-old named Bonnie Clark, which I thought that was crazy because he later marries 14-year-olds. <laughs> Maybe he felt guilty for his mom being an unwed 14-year-old, so he marries 14-year-olds. Who knows? By the time he was born, his father had already left his mother for another teenage girl. And by the time Vernon was four years old, his mama had left him. So there's a couple of, you know, early red flags. Yeah, a little bit. Mama had left him for a boyfriend... And he was being raised by his grandma, mm-hmm. Arlene, Miss Grandma Arlene. So by the time he was seven, mom came back into his life mm-hmm. and she had found a new beau. And this is, will be his stepdaddy. And they had a kid together. And so he has a brother named Roger. Okay. 
So Vernon's mom described his childhood as lonely and kind of sad because Vernon was bullied in school. He did poorly in school. He had horrible grades. He had dyslexia, and he was in special education. So he ended up dropping out in ninth grade. I did not know this. Hmm. At an early age, he was fascinated with the scripture Mm. and with the Bible. Mm. And at age 12, he began studying the Bible and listening to Christian radio stations. So I don't want to say red flag yet, listening to Christian radio stations. (laughs) It is kind of weird that a 12-year-old is fascinated, is like, Studying the Bible. Engulfed, yeah. Um, but this might be by the age fourteen, he had memorized the New Testament. And oh, Caroline, I don't know if you've ever held the Bible. Uh, I <laughs> listen, listen, bitch. You know what I remember? Remember, I I memorize. I know the fifty states because there's a song. I know the lyrics to Rihanna's Umbrella because I sing it all the time. Listen, but I not the, to remember the damn encyclopedia. What did what did you listen? Not the books of the Bible, like my song that I sang a couple episodes no. ago. The whole New Testament, and then by the age eighteen, he memorized the Old Testament. Now the Christians, I, mean, I could do that if I wanted to. If I yeah. really try, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. The Christians who <laughs> will find that they actually would rather be called Christians instead of Davidians, and I'll kind of explain that here in a little bit, attested to him actually memorizing the Bible. Like, because he would ramble off, and there's a lot of video out there of him like rambling off verse after verse after verse. Page after page after page of the Bible. Like, he just knew it from front to back. Now, I know. But, especially back then, a lot of times, dyslexia, you it was hard for you to, like, sound out words. So, when you learned what a word was, you memorized it. So, it was easier for you to memorize, read by memory, than, <laughs> like... Nope. Yeah. So, many Christians. sorry, at age 19, he joined... The Seventh-day Adventist Church, but he was exiled after he got a 15-year-old girl pregnant. But it wasn't just any girl, Caroline. It was was the preacher's daughter. Oh, there you go, David. And, you know, he just couldn't just get her pregnant. He actually told the preacher that God had given her to him. So he said, preacher, God said, she is no longer yours. She is mine. So preacher was like, be gone, exiled, excommunicated from the church. And his mom and his brother later said that he loved the church so much that he had a little mental breakdown after this. And so he moved to a farm in Chandler and he would be seen praying outside for days and days at a time. Like his brother would see him outside on a Wednesday at 2 o'clock, and then at Thursday at 5 o'clock, he'd still be in the same spot and same clothes praying with the Bible. Sounds like Israel Keys. Uh, really? Yeah. He would be, he could sit in one spot 
for hours without moving. Isn't that crazy? Very crazy. Yes. That's a different but type this, of discipline. But this deep belief in this in these different religions, that is a lot about what we're yeah. talking about at Lori, uh, Daybell, Valo, uh-huh. Trial. Cult-ish type it stuff. It is uh, LDS, uh, hardcore. Mm. They're doing things at the te- like at the temple and that's not approved of and all this stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, I never, there's a, I'm sure you'll hear a lot of connections with mm-hmm. Valo and some of the other cults that we did because as I was listening, I was like, oh yeah, this is like Marshall Applewhite or this is like mm-hmm. Children of God. So Just definitely to, yeah. make those connections. Okay, so he was also an entertainer. See if you make this connection. Um, so as he grew a little bit older, he told him he taught himself how to play the guitar, and he became a rocker and he played rock and roll music in a band. And he moved to California and lived in Hollywood and tried to become a famous rock star, cult leader, rock star, mm. long hair, mm. ring any bells? Yeah, uh, Jones. Charlie, 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 Charlie Manson. What about, about, not Jerry, what's his name? Jim. He might, was he, was he a rock star? I don't, I don't know. Was Charles Manson a rock star? Yes, he tried to become a, he tried to become a rock star and failed, so he became a cult leader. Oh. David Koresh's band name was Messiah Productions. Oh, that's Remember my business card? Yeah, okay, so. Oh, no, I, yeah, I didn't know that about those. Yeah. About them. So um, he f- did not actually become well, famous rock we star. Famous. Um, and actually, when he came to Waco, he he would be playing at local bars in Waco. So people in Waco remember him playing at local bars. Uh, Chelsea, people that have been here, Chelsea Street Pub, I think, was the place in Richland Mall used to have a bar, and he would play there all the time. Yeah. Okay. So, just fun Waco fact. So, in 1981 is when he actually came to Waco. And he joined a religious group called the Branch Davidians. So, they're Seventh-day Adventists. And there's a branch of them called the Branch Davidians. So, I was like, what does Seventh-day Adventists believe? Do you know? Me either. So, thank you, author Dan Morris. He summed it up for me. They believe a lot of what we as Christians believe. They believe in the Trinity of God. They believe the Bible is God's word. Okay. They believe God is the creator. Jesus is the son of God. They believe that salvation is only through Jesus who died for our sins. And then they believe that he is coming back. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, they believe, we believe Sunday is the Sabbath day, so we go to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They believe it's Saturday. Okay. That's the biggest difference. They also don't believe in alcohol or tobacco. But Seven they do days believe in, in firearms. They do believe in <laughs> firearms, or David Koresh's branch does. And they do plant-based diets only, and they don't believe in hell. So that mm. seven-day Adventist, I was like, oh, that's not too that weird. That's nothing like the... FDLS people. Oh, oh, gosh. So this is, I mean, if you're going to join a cult or change religions, this yeah, isn't, like, like, horrible. Find anything. Yeah, I mean, let's go visit Except for they Saturday. just go to church on Saturday yeah. instead of Sunday. That's, I feel like that's the only difference. They sound like Catholics. Do they sound like Catholics? 
On Saturday? Catholics don't do anything on Saturday, do they? Yes, Catholics. Catholics believe on s- in alcohol too much. That, oh, that that's the only difference. Yeah, yeah. The alcohol. Because there is Catholic church on Saturday. My mom uh, always goes every Saturday. She okay. Goes, that's when she goes to church. Hmm. So. Mass. Let's talk about how the Branch Davidians started because I thought Branch Davidians was named after David Koresh. Did you ever think that? Well... <laughs> I'm the only one in the whole world. No. Somebody email me and tell I, me I, I'm I not the only one. I always was thinking, I remember it was Vernon David and then David Koresh. And I didn't know, I thought it was Vernon two Howell. people. Or Vernon Howe uh-huh, or whatever. Uh-huh. And I thought it was two people. But uh-huh. this is all the same person. It's all the same person. He he later changes his name. He changes his name. And then I thought that the, I had read, I think, back whenever that there is like a history of the this Davidians yes. group or something. Yeah. But I don't know too much about it. But he didn't create it. I uh-uh. know that there was somebody else that did and then he just kinda swooped in and yes. took over. Yes, here we go. So in nineteen thirty four a guy named Victor Hotef called himself a messenger of God. He was living in California, belonged to a SDA seven day Adventist church. He decided to take some of those people and Bring them to Waco, Texas. And he brought a, bought a bunch of property near Lake Waco. And he called it Mount Carmel. So the first Mount Carmel is right over here by the lake. Mount Carmel in the Bible means holy mountain. Okay? Mm. So that's over there in the area where the Vanguard School is and oh, like Salty Dog area. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, so this flock turned into like a small community and they grew and grew and grew and then slowly secluded themselves. And they had their own little city. They called it the Mount Carmel community. They had schools, they had banks, they had a store, they had nursing homes, they had an infirmary. So I picture it kind of like the homestead heritage out there. Mm, could have been another cult. It sounds like a cult. Homestead Heritage, very self-sustaining. They did not have to leave if they didn't want to. Homestead Heritage, right now, off Golson Road, they do not have to leave. They have everything that they need right there. If they leave, it's because they choose to. Um, So now he, Victor, in 1942, decided to add and name them the Davidians, which comes from the lineage of King David in the Bible. So that's where the Davidians Mm. came from. Okay. Okay. Now, 1955, Victor died. His wife, Florence, took over. And, you know, any time a woman gets put in charge. Oh, it it all goes to shit. A man gets pissed. Um, yep. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. because the man's like, we got the swinging wee-wee. We, it should be me. It should be me. I feel like that's... Yeah. So Benjamin Roden is like, I should have been head of Mount Carmel. So he gets pissed. I should have been head of Mount Carmel. Should have been me. It should have been me. So he takes a group of his flock and he moves to Odessa and he's like, I'm going to start my own branch Davidian church in Odessa. Gone, boy. Meanwhile, Florence is head and she's like Waco's getting too big this is it's too many people let's move so she sells the lake property and buys 941 acres 
east of Waco and calls it Mount Carmel, and that's what we know as the now compound, and that's how they get to Elk. Ah, the compound. The compound. So now we're at the compound that we know as a compound. But when she gets there, she gets a little crazy. Maybe that is like cursed land because oh. she starts getting divine revelations. Well, so did Lorinello. Did she predict the end of the world? Oh, Why yes. do they, they always they predict were, the end of the world? They were part of the 144,000 that were going to be the final survivors what? and that there these pe- other people were zombies and they had, Everybody else they had dark spirits. And so they were dark and so they, they have had a to date? get rid of them. Do they have a date, end of the world date? Uh, no, but they just said that they had to get rid of them. You know what's crazy? I when think they chopped them up and buried and burned them and buried them. Oh. I believe that Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles had an end of the world date, and I'm pretty sure it was April. Well, Florence had an end of the world date, and it was April 22nd, 1959. Oh. So she started preaching this, and she preached it for months and months and months. And people believed her. They sold hundreds of people. They sold their homes. And they liquidated all their assets and they quit their jobs. And they moved out there and they lived in buses and cars and tents. And some of them just like slept in trees and on the ground. Because you don't need anything when you know the world's about to end and all you're just going to go to heaven, Caroline. Okay. <laughs> They stopped getting their nails did and their lashes done, and they're like, "We don't need these worldly no, things." No, they grew all the hair out. <laughs> so <laughs> stop, bad. Stop getting waxed and sugared. Woo, man, that they smell good. <laughs> she had about fourteen hundred followers at this time that just like gave her the money, and um, then April twenty second came. Some came up. Sun came down. Oh. World didn't end. No, and then they were like, oh. "I got a new revelation." I got a new revelation. Do you, you know, it's ten years later that this is gonna happen. Fl- you know, what happens? No, actually, Florence was like, "Well, maybe I ain't a good cult leader." <laughs> Florence gave up. She threw the deuces and she was like, "Let me just sell this land." <laughs> she sold all that acreage, but seventy-seven acres of it. Oh god! And um, she. Was like, hey, I'm just gonna retire. I'm just, I'm not gonna be a cult leader. Let me just take my money. And so, she people, because she lost a lot of followers, her words didn't have weight, whatever. Mm, so, oh, Georgie boy that was pissed mm-hmm. came back and he bought that land. And now he relo- relocated his flock to the new compounds. And now he's got the old Davidians plus his Davidians. And now George Roden is the new leader of the Branch Davidian compound, Mount Carmel. And he stayed there until 1978. And then he died. So history, history, history. It's like man, woman, woman does screw some shit up. And then a man has to come take over. So when... George dies, his wife takes over. He dies in 1978, and Lois takes over. Now, Lois is doing good until 1981 when an old boy named Vernon Howe joins. And Vernon Howe, who we know as David Koresh, is 21 years old. He was mesmerized by 64-year-old Lois's leadership abilities, he was like, man, 
she can get everybody to just give her all of their money and she she's just everybody's just listening to everything that she says and you know he was very charismatic because he was good on the guitar he was the maintenance guy kind of like a groundskeeper and so they slowly start doing the dirty I was going to say I didn't think that when you originally said Lois I just pictured a guy it's a girl yeah but then it's a girl yeah. and then that's interesting so he's kind of moves his way so and he's, he's 64 he, she is 64, he is 21, so it's like... Oh, she a MILF. She's is a MILF, she's a cougar, and this is totally opposite of what he has been doing his whole life, so you know he's being an opportunist, right? She's probably one of the opportunist. Now, they later, they, he gets her pregnant, Supposedly. What? She's 64. She's 64, and he gets her pregnant with the no. Messiah. <laughs> oh, of course. So they start preach. They start. Everybody's Wait, excited bitch, that she's. This is immaculate conception. <laughs> <laughs> with the Messiah. So they're all excited that the Messiah is going to be born. And then she has a miscarriage. And David's it was just, just like a poop. She had the whole <laughs> she pooped. David was like, my sperm is just so powerful that she's already been through menopause, but I got her pregnant. She's the weak one. She didn't have enough faith to birth the Messiah. So oh. then everybody starts thinking that she's not strong enough to lead them. And there is a George Jr. So Lois had a son. And, you know, George Jr. should be the heir of the throne, basically. And he's like, what's David doing moving in on my mama, trying to move in on my throne? He sees David, like, trying to take over. So him and David's feud. And a fire is set and nobody really knows if David sets the fire or if George sets the fire and blames it on David. Like an actual fire? A fire, like something at the compound. It's not called the compound. It, it's not yet. like a fake Letitia Stout fire. It's like an actual fire. <laughs> it's a fire. Something burns down and it's bad. And they blame it. George blames it on Koresh and some of his followers. So they get kicked out of Mount Carmel, escorted off the property, and banned. Wow. David Koresh is bound from Mount Carmel for a long time, for years. For years and years and years. So hmm. I was like, well, how does he get back? How does he get back? How well, does he end up coming that, there? But then I figured you were going to get to Oh, no. Story ends. Done. Oh, done. Um, I've had a piece of damn gum, and I can't find it. I'm struggling. Dig, dig, dig. Okay, so Koresh is officially banished from Mount Carmel. And it's not called Mount Carmel anymore. It's called Rodenville because George is a narcissist. So... Koresh moves to Palestine, and he is now officially like a cult leader still. He's just not a cult leader at Mount Carmel. He's like a traveling one. Like, he's got a people following him. He's got a flock. He is doing hours of Bible study daily. He's recruiting members. They live 
in abandoned buses and tents and in plywood huts. He has people pay him to travel to cities recruiting. He travels to other countries recruiting. And when we start talking about the members, we'll find out that members come from country like all over the world, not just like Central Texas or America, countries all over the world. Um, and so he's wanting to grow his members because he has a plan because he ultimately wants to take over Mount Carmel, as we know. So it's about 1986, okay? And David Koresh calls Detective Terry Fuller, who um, works for McLennan County Sheriff's Office. He's the one that gave me my business cards and mm-hmm. took my book club on the tour. Um on the at the site out there now David Koresh is tattletelling he calls Terry Fuller and he says hey uh there is some meth labs out at Rodenville active meth labs and they're selling meth to people of Waco of McLennan County mm-hmm. and Terry's aware of the feuds from David and George. So he was like, you know what? I need some proof. Give me some proof. So Koresh is like, you know what? Let me, let me go. Let me, let me switch up my plan. So he goes to the McLennan County courthouse and he files this deed, a removal of trustee deed. And he takes George Roden's name off the property and he puts his name and lists himself as the president of the Branch Davidian Association. Oh. That's a little smart, I, th- I think. Yeah. it's He can't do anything. He's not doing anything with it yet, but he's like, let me just do this, and I got this over here for later on. Then he calls Detective Fuller again, and he's like, hey, Roden has now illegally exhumed a dead body. What? Mm-hmm. And Fuller was like, how do you know? He was like, yeah, I know. I saw it with my own eyes. Her name is Ann Hughes. She was a former Davidian that died. She was buried on the body. He says he can resurrect it. He's trying to prove that he's the Messiah. He's, if you go there now, he's trying to resurrect a dead body. And so Terry was like, I just can't go out there on that. I need some proof. So Koresh was like, I'm going to go get some proof. So him and seven of his followers, they dress up in army fatigue. They get their semi-automatic rifles, 3,000 rounds of ammunition, and they sneak on the property in the middle of the night. Well, they didn't realize George has an Uzi. So this is what we know as the Mm -hmm. battle, the shootout of Rodenville. Okay? They have a shootout. I don't know anything about that. I didn't either. <laughs> Detective Fuller told me, told us all and about what's this. An Uzi and Uzi. I don't know. I just I thought it was on cartoons only. Bazookas and Uzis. I was like, oh, oh I thought it was like an injury that was oozing. Uzi is a Boo-boo? like a machine type gun. Oh. <laughs> Feel free to let us know at correctioncorner.com. Yep. Or just leave us a one-star review. It sounds real scary to me. So. It sounded like I needed a Band-Aid, but that was about it. I don't know. An Uzi. When when the police police get called and when they find George, he has 18 bullets 
holes in him, and he's leaning up against a tree, oh, but, no. he's, but he's still alive. Hitching shots? Everybody gets arrested. Good. And there ends up being a trial in April of 1888, okay? What? Now, there's different charges. George's on trial for ex- exhuming a dead body, and he gets put in jail for a while. Now, David Koresh's whole thing is to try to keep George in jail. So him and his men get that, gets that body of Ann Hughes in the coffin, and they walk it up to the courthouse steps inside the courthouse. They try to say it re- resurrected. And they walk into the courtroom. The and this was proof to the judge and to the jury that George illegally exhumed a dead body in order to resurrect it. And so he was like, You know, Send they him left to jail. all this out in all the documentaries. <laughs> so this book, so the author of this book. Is a was is an agent and was there like during the siege and during the shootouts. So much of this information, this footage was left out for years, and yes. then it would and even like the video footage. Remember that they said was lost sexy. for so long. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, it's no, yeah, it's just, keep, no, it's just crazy. Uh, that's good info. Keep and that's why I wanted to read this book because it is, a lot of it was like never released information. Ever. Even Ever. like some of the new documentaries were never released information. No, I've never heard any of this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, this is good. This is good. It's, yeah. It's crazy. And it just lets you know how crazy how, they both were. Well, and it also shows you how much the media like makes up their own. Hide shit. Yeah. Yeah. And Netflix and all that, you know, yeah, when they're doing it, they're, they're not necessarily doing, they're doing based on a, mm-hmm. on a, mm-hmm. so you don't, you don't include the parts that are going to make it, you know, yeah. seem legit or whatever. You're going to make it seem kind of out, outlandish, I guess. Yes. Well, um, The body was not allowed into evidence, and because the body wasn't allowed to have evidence, the charges got dropped. George later admitted he did try to resurrect the body three times, but only because David challenged him to prove who the Messiah was. So what David did is he said, I am the Messiah, and George was like, no, I'm the Messiah. David Mm -hmm. was like, prove you're the Messiah. George was like, I will. George was like, if you're the Messiah, resurrect that body. Now, David knew he couldn't, but he knew George was crazy enough to do it. And he knew that as soon as he exhumed that body, he could call the police, get him arrested. And when he got put in jail, he could take over the land. And that's exactly what David did. And he had already gone down to the McLennan County Courthouse and oh, had the deed changed over. So David was like, Deal's done. So by the time George got out of jail, David and his people were had already like been moving their shit, his suitcases so it's and like everything. These moving. people who are cult leaders, they <laughs> know they're full of shit. And yeah, but it's it's worked and it's smart. But they know. 
that they are frauds. That they know this. Oh yeah. And then they are. They're just listen. The I think the route to all the cult leaders is money, right? Yes, and power. I think that's why none of them ever kill themselves. You think about it, like all of them. Marshall Applewhite. He didn't kill himself. He had somebody else. Kool Aid. They didn't do Kool Aid. Oh shit! I'm getting a walk. Jim Jones didn't even do it. Jim Jones had everybody else kill. Oh yeah, but somebody. Had to do it, yeah. yeah Marshall Applewhite, somebody else did it for him. Um, David Koresh, somebody shot him. Manson was in jail. Yeah, he, he died of a heart attack. David Koresh, somebody shot him. Like, they don't, they can't even Gwen Shamblin, she done crashed in an airplane. Yeah. So, anyways. But with but with Valo, Lori Val, like, this is all what's happening right now. But it's the same thing. Like, she's... Doing a lot of these things for money, like getting her first or whatever fourth husband killed. She was planning to get a million dollar life insurance policy and was pissed that he had changed it the month before to his sister. But her two kids that she killed, they were on social security. So she was getting that. So everything, it's it's just all money, power, money, always goes back to money. Root of all evil. The root. Now, remember David shot George, so he had to be tried for that. So he actually did go to trial mm-hmm. for murder or attempted murder or manslaughter or whatever it is. And he had a jury, and the jury was hung. Like, mm. it was declared a mistrial. And then, for some reason, the charges were dropped. So David was released, and he went back to the compounds, and he... Started his reign as the official leader of Mount Carmel Center. Dun, dun, dun. Join us next week for part two. Yes, <gasps> yes, yes, yes. Part two. I actually will post a picture of David Koresh's mugshot because Detective Fuller gave us pictures of those. Um, and then I had to ask the question is what the hell happened to George Roden? Because he did get out of jail. And yeah. obviously he couldn't go home. George Roden had to go back to Odessa and live with a friend named Wayman Adair. Well, Wayman said... Wait, Wayman or Raymond? Wayman, <laughs> okay. literally. I mean, I did used to say Wayman, so I just made sure. <laughs> Wayman said the wrong magic word. Messiah. Wayman said that he was the Messiah. And George was like, PTSD, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah, Wayman. He shot Wayman, chopped him in the head with an axe, went to trial, ruled insane, and was confined to a mental institution. He died in 1998 of a heart attack during an escape. So he gone. Now, you can listen to part two right now. If you click on the next episode, we will see you in part two. Don't forget to stay aware, stay alive, and always BTTF. Bye, y'all. Bye.
This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. Hey, Cricket customers, Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Phone plan streams in standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details.